Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line. Uh, she is out in the Pacific Northwest, parts unknown, uh, grizzly man country. Um, it is Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Uh, Susan, it's the bye week. You're taking it a little easy before it really ramps up uh, next week with uh, the ACC play starting Georgia Tech, who's coming off a good win against Wake Forest. Um, and then it really ramps up after that um, with a bunch of big games in a row. Uh, first of all, how's your bye week going so far? Bye week is fantastic. Yes, it is. Could be your last break for quite some time because um, Miami yep. is looks awesome right now. Um, the ACC is much more mm-hmm. wide open. Um, than we expected coming into the year. Clemson already with two losses now after just Clemsoning away um, a game against <laughs> Florida State. Uh, now they go up to the Carrier Dome and uh, to face the big bag, big bad orange of Syracuse. Um, but we're not here to talk about Clemson or Florida State or Syracuse or any of these other uh, ACC teams. We're here to talk about the 4-0 Miami Hurricanes 4-0 for the first time since 2017, when, of course, they got all the way up to number two in the country, um, went to the ACC championship for, so far, the only time in their history. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, not just 4-0, right? Like, you could go for a lot of teams are 4-0 right now, and, and they're beating up on uh, bad schedules or squeaking out uglier wins than they should. Um Miami's not had a bad moment pretty much all season, other than the first, uh, I guess, quarter of the Texas A&M game. Um, They go up to Temple this weekend and just roll the owls, take care of business. Um, We don't have to dwell too much on that. What we do want to do is kind of give our four biggest takeaways from the first four games of the season uh, at the bye week. Um, Obviously, things will change. Miami will probably get some guys back next week after uh, missing a bunch of guys from injuries the last two weeks. But first of all, just what's kind of like your biggest takeaway from the Temple game? Um, they could play in any kind of conditions. Uh, I don't know if that's the biggest takeaway, but it's definitely a takeaway. It was something you could learn, I guess, that, that we didn't yeah, necessarily was, know before. And, I, and I'm not talking about fans because I think there were more Miami fans than Temple fans. Yeah. There were many fans there, but um, – it, the weather was, you know, the, the the rain was not torrential. It was a, it was, but the wind was really bad. Okay, there were very mm-hmm. high gusts, uh, and the you could see the goalposts were like literally swaying all over the place. It was pretty interesting actually to watch. Um, and you know, according to Tyler, it was just it was a lot worse playing in it as far as throwing the football and stuff. I, I you know, it was it was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, also, also another takeaway for me is that they could, um, they could play, um, any caliber team, you know, and, uh, and, and, and they're not, uh, they're staying true to what they say. They're, they're kind of taking it week by week. It seems they're focusing really well. It seems on, on each game, um, uh, no, I, there's so many takeaways. It's another takeaway: their defense and offense are are good. They're uh-huh. really, I, I, you know, I, I, there's, I, they could. Here's, they can run. 
Megan Pass. I mean, I don't. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that we, I think, like saw glimpses. I mean, I think so much of the story of this season was was told in the first two weeks, right? Where week one they ran all over Miami of Ohio, who I honestly have no idea how Miami of Ohio was doing now, but I think they were a bowl team last year. You know, not an absolutely terrible team. Um, ran all over them, like nothing. You know, no doubt about that game. Basically, after the first fifteen minutes, it was clear. Um, and then a couple. Of course, the next week, Texas A&M, they throw all right. over them. And that was a, a really good sign in the moment. Um, like you said, it, it when you play in a game where the conditions aren't great for for Tyler Van Dyke, who right now looks at, like one of the best quarterbacks in the country again, um, yeah. you have other ways to win. Um, but I, I, that that I, transitions – or you got one more thing? Yeah. I they, it, Well, it's kind of what you were saying – just now, and I was saying they ran for 323 yeah. yards, 323 yards. I mean, yeah, they, it's hard to prep for Miami. There's a, they can do a lot. Miami can do a lot. We just, they seem pretty good, you know, yeah. but they seem very good actually. But again, we here, here comes the, you know, harder part of the schedule. So lot, yeah. lots, lots of, um, Lots of good things so far this season. Yeah. And I think first on the list is Tyler Van Dyke. Um, yes. And that is the first takeaway, I think, from the first four games of the year. Um, in some ways, he was the biggest question mark on the roster coming into the season. Not because I think we were, I think we both believed that he was going to be good, but he was the guy who's ceiling. Like he had the guy, he was the guy who had the chance to elevate this team in a way that that no other individual player could. If he got exactly. back to his ceiling, which, you know, he looks yes. every bit like the guy we saw and maybe even better, honestly, than the guy we saw um, two years ago when Miami, what, how many did they win? In, how many in a row did they win when he took over? It was like six in a row, seven in a row um, to, to, I think it was seven in a row, right? Or six, whatever. He won a bunch of games in a row, beat a bunch right. of ranked teams. Um, and he looks every bit as good as, as he did that year. And that is, that's the most important thing we've learned from these first four games that Tyler Van Dyke is, um, you know, six weeks ago, we were talking about some of these preseason all ACC teams coming out and he was nowhere near the like first, second, third oh, team. For sure. It was, you know, yeah. all about Jordan Travis, all about Drake May and, and to a huge extent, those guys are still like Heisman contenders, but um, Tyler is not, he, he's in that same class as those guys right. so far. Um, and is 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 off. I mean, I, we always say it, but it's a package. His offensive line has yes. been outstanding. Okay, the running so game the is running, great. The running the receivers game, yeah. are playing much better than we expected. Exactly, his receivers are doing great. Um, you know, his his offensive line is amazing, um, and all together. You know, Van Dyke is, uh, you know, fourth, well, entering the week. You know how when these guys play during the week, everything changes a bit. But started out the week fourth nationally in passing efficiency. And I think uh, I read somewhere that pro football focus rated him the top quarterback in the nation, probably efficiency wise or whatever, I guess, whatever formula they use. Um, you know, fourth nationally in passing efficiency, seventh in completion percentage. He's almost 75% completion rate, ninth in passing touchdowns, uh, you know, 27th in passing yards per, 
per completion, 34th in passing yards. I mean, and remember, 34th in passing yards, but, you know, they 323 yards rushing. You know, it, it just doesn't matter at that point, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and he's thrown, by the way, only one interception this season in the opener. That's it. Yeah. Um, and that was so, pretty early in the opener. I mean, that was still when the jury was out on what Tyler was going to be like. And it was, you know, not a great throw he made. And, yeah, since then, like, can you even remember him, like, making a mistake since then? Like, like, like right. taking a bad sack or, um, he, like, a terrible has, overthrow or a dropped interception? Like, he's he been pretty, pretty spotless. He has time. You know, yeah, yeah, that's huge, obviously. Yeah. Um, so that's I'm with you. Uh, Tyler is definitely uh, one of the, you know, one of the differences, a big mm. difference. The um, and I think going hand in hand with that, you talked about the offensive line. Um, we, we talked about the running game. But the other thing I think number my number two takeaway um, to group them together, not necessarily ranking them, but uh, Tyler's definitely number one and number two to group together with it is um the offense, the offense, like not, I mean, that's like so vague to, or so broad to say the offense, but I mean like the scheme, yes. the play calling, the system. Um, I guess Shannon Dawson would be the way to, to if you want to like really boil it down because um, all, a lot of, you know, we meant we went through every position just two minutes ago and talked about how the O-line has been as good as we imagined. The wide receiver has been better than we imagined. The running backs have been better than we imagined. Um, so much of that obviously traces back to Shannon Dawson, um, just putting this putting guys in much better positions to succeed than they were last year, especially with regards, I think, to the uh, wide receivers. I think the, the the running game has been really good, and, and a lot of that has to do with the offensive line, and the offensive line has a yeah. lot to do with talent acquisition more so than I think scheme, but the passing attack, getting back to where it was a couple of years ago, um, so much of that, I think, is is scheme and the way that Tyler fits in that scheme, obviously, as well. Yeah. And by the way, Tyler did not get sacked. For, for, I think it was the first time that the O-line gave up zero sacks, no sacks, uh, this past game against tackle, uh, against Temple. So um, just, uh, you know, it, in every way that offense is, is, is clicking as Tyler would say is clicking. The offense is clicking. So, um, I mean, and, and, you know, we, I know we didn't say this cause we didn't know this till the, after this game, but uh, it's the first time uh, since 2002 when they played it for the national championship, that was the Ohio state game mm-hmm. um, that, Miami has averaged at least has scored at least 38 points or something like that, or average a, a, a game um, for, for the first four games, 2002. So, uh, you know, not only was it a very good year until the end, yeah. but it was a prolific year. Their offense was amazing that year. So uh, yeah, all things pointing up. Yeah. I'll say like, it is nice if you're a Miami fan that that last year, I mean, think of how many bad, how many bad Miami offenses have you watched, even when the team was good, I guess, you know, or, or competent. Um, a lot of bad Miami offenses, assuming this keeps going, and I don't see any reason why this offense is not going to keep rolling. Three out of the last four years, they've had off, awesome offenses. Last year is is really 
an outlier now because the two Rhett Lasher seasons first, the one with Derek King during the COVID year, and then obviously the one where Derek gets hurt and, and Tyler takes over. Those were two great offenses. Um, and it, now Miami's got another one, and that's the way it, it should be in South Florida when you look at um, the skill, talent all around. Um, and, you know, Miami obviously – gotten a lot of grief I think for not recruiting the wide receiver position super well considering some of the guys who have come out of here um out of South Florida in the last five ten years I mean you look how many NFL how many former Alabama and Ohio State receivers are there who are like South Florida guys that are playing in the NFL now um Colby Young's not from down here but Xavier Restrepo is a local guy uh Jacoby George is a local guy um you know, some of the, obviously a lot, you know, Ray, Ray Joseph, who, who had some good moments on Saturday and I'm sure we'll kind of have his moments in bigger games, a local guy Bashard Smith, who's obviously had, had some good moments this year as a local guy. So yeah, like would it be better if they were getting, you know, Calvin Ridley and uh, Jerry Judy and Jeremiah Smith and Brandon Ennis well, to come. Okay. Like, come, but, but yeah. you know, it's a nice reminder that, the talent that Miami, like there, there was no excuse. Like you can't just say, Oh, they need to recruit better. Like there was no excuse. They, there was talent in the program. Um, They just kind of needed a, a better system, offensive and system better, to, to yeah, get the most out coaches. of it. I mean, like Mike Harley, right. Like he, he was kind of like a nothing, you know, like a fine receiver for most of his career. And then Rhett Lashley shows up and um, you know, he yeah. becomes an NFL, you know, not, not like he's playing on Sundays, but he's in the NFL orbit out of that. Like, they, yeah. they, the coaches, the la- two of the last three offensive coordinators they've had have, I think, like wiped away the myth that like there's like Miami just needs to get the five star receivers. Like a lot of teams are really good with four star receivers. Miami mm-hmm. would obviously be better if they had a bunch of five star receivers. And like you said, trending in the right direction, but the talent has always been there. And it's good to see a coach like, Playing to the strengths, right? Like Miami's got smaller receivers, but they've got a system that that makes it fine. Great. So we're we're good with the offense, right? We're yeah, good. the offense. I mean, that's been like thank God, right? Because a, I mean, a bad offense is not like that in a college football game where those games take three and a half hours and you're uh, going three and out over and over again. Um, that that really gets people restless. But to segue into the next thing that's impressive is uh, is the other side of the ball, which we, you know, I, which is impressive. Yeah, and, defense, and I think, again, like not just be broad and say, oh, the defense is a big takeaway. They well, look good. That's the rushing, the rushing defense, number two in the country. They're number two. Yeah. In rushing defense. That is really impressive. They're allowing, now it's skewed by some of the, like Bethune Cookman yeah. and all. Now, and now, this, I, now but, I, I always say this time of the year, like you can say, yes, they play Bethune Cookman, but everyone has pretty much played uh FCS team at this point, right? Well, like, that's so, true. That is, so, David, that's yeah. true. But mm-hmm. they're allowing 48 rushing yards a game. That's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, they shut, they pretty much I, shut down AM. Amari Daniels had an okay game in that game and right. you know, still forced a fumble on him, right? So, like to me, the 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 to get a little bit more specific with the defense is um 
the like soundness of it and this again goes back yes. to i think some some points we've made early made early in the year like i mean miami's defense last year was not its biggest problem it wasn't good but it wasn't its biggest problem um but it's impossible not to think about the t- middle tennessee game and give up big plays yeah I mean, they gave up big plays over and over the tackle for the was last bad. several years they yeah. give up some really important big play and, and that then- just hasn't been an issue this year and now maybe they haven't played an offense like we'll see you know they're going to play florida state and even clemson and obviously north carolina and you know maybe those teams will pick them apart but again middle tennessee last year had a 98 yard touchdown against them like <laughs> that hasn't happened through four games this year oh they're tackling is much better i know uh to Corey couch really whiffed on one um this last game and he came, he talked to us and he said he he you know he's going to get right to the film room. <laughs> I mean that was a kind of an ugly one, but uh, last game. But then he ends up after that he on the same drive he ends up intercepting the ball in the end zone. You know when they were driving down, which was kind of nice for him. So he kind of made it up for it that way. He had two interceptions in the game. Uh, yeah, and and that stuff's contagious. I mean, yeah. I, and that keeps up confidence. So you know, Corey now is going after every pick he can. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's more confident. Um, just uh, their their defense. The the we've talked about this. The rotation at defensive line. You know, they've they've met. Uh, Akeem Mesador, the starting defensive end, has missed the last two games. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh Branson Dean missed the last two games at defensive tackle. These are starters, right? Um uh, yeah, and the guys, and actually that segues into the third. Yeah. Uh, I do want to like close I, out, I guess, on just the bigger picture of the defense yeah, is yeah. um yeah, they're gonna get better, right? Akeem Mesador is gonna be back, Cameron Kinch is oh, gonna get more back. Guys. Um, but more guys are getting playing time that are younger yeah. and they're inexperienced. Um, so they're getting better. Yeah. And the defense, I mean, uh, I, I harped on it, I think, last week. The depth is, I think, a really big deal. Um, like, right. You know, they – On the D-line. The and, D-line and in the secondary and, you know, yeah, and linebacker, like, everywhere. Like, they, they didn't – they don't have the stars necessarily on that side of the ball. Like, you know, again, I think Leonard Taylor is an NFL pretty high pick. Oh, uh, yeah. Certainly Cam Kinchins. Um James Williams, I still, you know, someone's going to take James. him pretty high. Like, uh, you know, Francisco Maugoa is is a kind of like breakout Excellent. star, but um, right. for the most part, they just don't have they don't have weak links on the defense usually, um, which is has been I think you know when you give up big plays, yeah, it's a total breakdown, but a lot of times it's just a guy gets run past right or a guy misses a tackle and all of a sudden there's a huge hole. Like there right. the, the the depth, I think. M- mitigates a lot of that stuff um that that has really hampered Miami for the last couple of years um and as you alluded to they're going to keep developing depth um and that brings me to our, our, our fourth takeaway before we uh wrap up this miniature episode of the INU podcast and that is um talk about the young guys in general but I, I think we have to start with Ruben Bain who's probably the guy other than Tyler Van Dyke we've talked about most on this show uh since the start of the season um but he has earned it. Um, obviously, you know, it's a bye week, so people are sc- scraping for content across the, the Canes internet um, 
a lot of pro football focus uh, watching from from fans and media outlets alike. Um, and the right. nice thing, yeah, I don't buy too much into pro football focus, especially for college football. There's too many teams. Too many teams are doing different things. It's not like the NFL where everyone's running basically the same thing and you can watch and really compare. But it's nice when your eye test, the stuff you, you know, most of us are watching because we're not all watching the All-22. It's nice when your eye test of what you see on Saturday or on Monday when you rewatch the game or whatever, it's nice when that matches up with what the people who are really like diving deep on the film see. And that is the case certainly with Tyler Van Dyke, who's way up in those PFF rankings. Um, and also the case with Ruben Bain, who is through four weeks, the number one ranked freshman defensive lineman. Highest, yeah. Highest graded true freshman defensive lineman in yeah. the country. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Put it that way. So, um, yeah, he's the guys. I the, we've said it a hundred times. There's no way the coaches would have been going nuts about yeah. him, us, you know, vocally all the time, uh, if he wasn't really good. And and he's lived up to the hype, which is really nice. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just, he's. I mean, it's been. Um, he's been everything. I think people could have possibly expected. And and again, like um, it's not super surprising because it's, he's kind of, you know, one he's, they've, they've got, I think a really good role for him, right. Where he is, I don't know what his average snaps per game is, but um, you know, he's, he's not starting for the most ball, although he has started uh, with, with Mesidor out. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He really, you know, he doesn't have to be perfect and he probably, I'm sure he's made mistakes because all freshmen make mistakes. But uh, one, the defense, as we said, as a whole, has just been better this year. And, um, you know, when you play fewer snaps, your mistakes are limited and you really those those highlights stand out more. Um, and then the other thing is just like, again, I, I watched him play. I wonder how many games I watched him play in high school, like 25, probably across his four years. And he was a four year starter at Miami Central and like just the exact same player he was basically since his freshman year at Miami central when he had, I think like 11 sacks as a freshman there. Like, um, you know, he's been the same guy from like every time I watch him, he just, and the thing about him is so much of it is just effort and um, just like reaction time quick. You know, he's really quick getting off the ball and he's not the flashiest pass rusher, right? He's not like throwing guys out of the way or spinning around guys or ducking under guys. He's just, you know, gets started quicker than the offensive lineman does. And um, he works harder kind of like he never gives up on him. It's a little, you know, they're very different. Reminds me a little bit of Greg Rousseau where it was just like, it was never flashy with Greg Rousseau, but he was so big and he just like never gave up on plays. And he had those long arms, obviously. Um, Ruben's different because he's, I don't know, five inches shorter, but um, the way that he's like, it's not flashy at all with him. It's, it's like lunch pail mentality. Yeah, totally agree on everything. He's just um, smart and strong. Yeah, and, and the uh, IQ is important too. Like that that's really the reason I think the coaches are raving. You know, is him and Ray Ray Joseph are kind of the two guys, right? And those are probably the two um, you know, Ray Ray the two standout freshmen other than uh Francis Mangoa have been Bain and and Fletcher, but like Ray Ray is clearly like they still love him. They, they give him opportunities, right? Like even against Texas A&M, I think he had a touch. Like um, this freshman class, we've said it a lot. It's it's the real deal. They've got 
I don't know, at least half a dozen guys who look like NFL players in this group. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I think uh, one thing I thought of after we talked before was that Emory Williams has now played in four, I, I think all four games. And um, did he play against AM? I don't think he did. Uh, but either way, three. Or I think maybe it, he didn't. Maybe he has one more game. Yeah, I think play. he played in three. You're right. So then he would have one more game to play. It should, certainly appears to me that he's he's they're going to blow his red shirt. I I I think they're going to. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, they're at least not Tyler concerned Johnson, about it, right? Like, yeah. But yeah. I think if if Tyler if every, Van Dyke is this good, they're going to. Well, well yeah. it, it depends. Now they're going to play Tyler more and more, but I don't think they're going to want to keep him in if UM has big leads. Right. Yeah. Big enough. Yeah. Big enough. Okay. I mean, Mario's going to make sure, but uh, you don't want him to get hurt. Yeah. But again, yeah. we're we're going into ACC schedule, and you know, like the blowouts happen a little less. For I, like I know, like Virginia is terrible, and Boston College is terrible, but like there's still ACC games, like very rarely are you going to just like roll through your conference competition. At least Miami hasn't done that ever. <laughs> like how many, how many like 35 point wins have they had in conference play in the, since joining the sure. ACC, it's probably pretty a low number. Um, but sure. yeah, I mean, it, they're clearly not concerned about potentially using blowing his red shirt because I think they think, like right. you said, I mean, one, they don't want to play Tyler because they don't want to get hurt, but they're, Tyler Van Dyke's not going to be Miami's quarterback next year, almost certainly at this point. Um, so, you know, Emory Williams could be the, the starter. He'll certainly be competing for that starting job next year, unless either Tyler surprisingly comes back or they get a transfer. But um, they they like – it's a good sign that Emory Williams won that backup job just in terms of what they think about him. Maybe not the best sign for Jakari Brown um, and, and the optimism around him, but – Definitely a good time for Emery Williams' optimism. Yes. Yep. And uh, before before we go, uh, we should let people know they probably know already if they're big UM fans that they're breaking out the uh, yes the all black black knights unis uniforms. Yep, Miami uh, Knights. Georgia. Yep. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock Miami kickoff Knights. against Georgia Tech. All they didn't black. wear them last year, right? Remember they like they announced they were going to wear them and then they didn't. So they're the same uniforms. Same. Oh, right, because they never. Yeah, yeah they never they're used using them last the year. same uniforms. Yes. Yep. So, and they also talked about a whiteout. Some ticket people, ticket season ticket holders, were saying that they. Uh, I think. Whiteout comes in game, right? Yeah. So, I don't like that. No. Just go with your. Uh, Mario's real traditional. Maybe, maybe with with uh, Adidas, you know, maybe they have contracts that they have to do certain things. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. So, anyway, um, yeah, all black should be fun. Eight o'clock at night, a little bit late, but I'm sure it's good for uh, Hard Rock Stadium. It's good for the fa- you know University of Miami will get more fans. For sure. Um, right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I would guess, you know, they come back after the bye, Georgia Tech, they're 4-0, and blowing out everyone, mm-hmm. um, night game. I, I would think the crowd's going to be pretty good for that. 
I Saturday think so. night. So yeah, um, sure. things looking up for the Canes as we've said for the last couple of weeks. Um, anyway, thanks as always for listening. You can follow Susan on Twitter at S Miller Degnan. She'll be back down in Coral Gables on Monday. Uh, presumably i guess we don't know for sure but that's always mario and the coordinators talk and then it'll be right back at it for the next three months plus um as uh we are into acc schedule we'll and maybe beyond for these hurricanes who, who certainly look like a contender for uh to make the acc championship game this year uh, follow me on twitter at db wilson too um thanks as always for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week